What's going on, everybody? This is V3Cast, the Voyager 3 official podcast, and this is episode number 10. We made it, guys. 10 episodes of V3Cast. 10 episodes, that's right. Yes. No one ever doubted us. We were going to make it to 10. <laughs> it's this is our WWE intro. You other podcast didn't think we'd make it, but we did. You all doubted us, and now... Now, speaking of doubting things, I bet you a lot of non-true Detroit Tigers fans today were doubting those Tigers at first, but they held out. They pulled their stuff up by their bootstraps, got it together, and they won. Home opener. Home they opener. Got it. Let's hear That's it. Right. Yes. All right. Hey, I, we'll get better. <laughs> we'll get better. We're working on it. That's right. It's funny uh, how we coordinated shirts without actually talking about it. I know. Well, opening day in Detroit is a a holiday. It's a holiday. That's the spirit. It is. All right, man. How are you guys? Now, I know we just saw each other last night because we had a rehearsal. Rehearsal was awesome. We duffed off some songs. And uh, surprisingly, they sounded really good for not playing them since last Halloween. (laughs) Yeah. They were better than I thought they'd be. And I I fully expected to suck. (laughs) When it was over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when it was over, I thought we'd played like four songs because we would talk in between each song for like a half hour. And no, like, we really took our time start, last night. Start didn't noodling we? and see if we remembered how to play the songs. And then we finally play. But we actually, I think we did six songs. That's not too bad. Well, right, that's right. after not seeing each other in person since what, October or something? You know, we haven't been in a room together, really. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So there's going to be sure. some, there's going to be some, chit chat in between right. yeah we were we weren't focused no you can't blame us for not <laughs> right. being focused 100 percent in our first practice in forever right yeah we, we gotta... said we were going to give it about 91.7 percent last night isn't <laughs> that's that, right isn't that what we agreed to man I, right. I, th- I think we nailed that i really yeah, do we were we were excellent we, we, we had a fridge full of different <laughs> beverages we had to explore and, and, and figure out what tasted the best. Greg Steve, got that new double bass crossbar. We had, to, we had to see how that was. It was, it was a whole to, bunch of stuff. We had man. to try that fucker out. That's and right. Steve must have had himself about three or four ginger beers. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a hot and spicy night, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of ginger beer and things along those lines, what are y'all drinking tonight? I got to know. I got this... Uh, it's not the best thing I've ever had, but it's called Blackberry Bramble. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. Like, Is it like, dessert? Oh, Blackberry Bramble can. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty. It's all right. It's not the best. It's like a vodka with blackberry. Uh, it's a little fruity magooty, but um, when you buy a four pack, you should finish the four pack unless you really can't stand it. Then I would give it to Greg. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to follow through or give it to Greg. So that's like a cocktail in a can, then, really, right? Cocktail in a can. Do you have and some fresh lime to put in there? Because that'll really elevate it. I, I, I gotta say. Got why are you gotta lime? call me out, Steve? <laughs> well, I you, don't have any. Fresh do, do you have that little green plastic thing you could squeeze some lime juice into it from the fridge? You I have do that? have that. See, that's that. better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I could have faked it. Like, yeah, I got it right in there. That's right. I was going to say, people should appreciate our honesty. Aaron just came right out and said he didn't have fresh lime. I mean, they wouldn't have known. You could have said, yeah, I squeezed 10 fresh limes in there. Right. 
But we're honest. Right. Hey, but listen, just it. like the Detroit Tigers, we keep it real here, V3 cast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the crowd energy that backs us up because we'd be nothing without that crowd roaring our names out there. Let's hear it. So what are you drinking? I'll have to dump we got that a in. lot of work. We got a lot of work to do on, on that. Oh yeah, for sure. Normally um, I'm pretty good at it. I'm oh. drinking out of my Detroit Tiger Koozie on opening day. And I'm drinking probably the beer that I've drank at more opening days than I'd care to admit. Miller right. Light. That's a staple for, a for a baseball man, I gotta say, right? It's gotta be. Yes. It, yeah, and it costs you nine dollars. It's oh, America Park. <laughs> that's right. Ooh, that's a lot of money for a can of beer. Man. What about you? Sure is. I got, I'm going to crack it open and see if you can hear this crack. All right. It's a white monster. No, no. I got myself yeah. a Gosling ginger beer. Speaking of ginger beers, one of my top favorites, top three. I totally dig this one. So, you know, I didn't have enough ginger beer last night. I got to have some more tonight. You're a fiend. Cheers. The first thing I wanted to talk about tonight was the fact that this is our 10th V3 cast. So for those people who are just joining us tonight for the first time, uh, we're a band called Voyager 3, and we also do a podcast. We talk about all the stuff that we like, uh, music, film, different drinks, um, comic books, Dungeons and Dragons on occasion, and whatever else comes to mind. Um, so if you dig this kind of stuff, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. I can't believe I said that too. That's funny. We're officially YouTubers now, I guess, right? <laughs> Smash that like button. That's right. Yeah, as long as we don't say it six times per podcast. I know, right? Isn't that, isn't that what the kids say? Smash that like button? But yeah, um, we have a lot of fun doing this, man. We talk about all kinds of stuff that uh, is classic to us that we've loved since we were kids or stuff that's like brand new this week, whatever, whatever it is. If it's interesting to us, we'll talk about it. Um, so, you know, join us in the discussion. You can always leave comments and sometimes we'll comment on the comments or whatever. That's what the mailbag segment is of our podcast. So uh, there you have it. Um, have you guys seen Moon Knight, by the way? Love it. I've been waiting for Moon Knight since I was a little kid. I've always loved Moon Knight. Back when I was a, about 11 or 12, we used to play this game where we would take the Marvel characters and we would choose them and have sort of a stable of characters and we would fight. It would be like a duel between, you know, Moon Knight and freaking uh, Cyclops or something. And we would roll like Steve helped me develop this and added this D&D stuff into it. And we would roll dice. We'd have hit points. We'd we'd make all these stats for the characters based on the old Marvel Universe uh, handbooks, which are like behind me somewhere. Um yeah, and that was that, like your monster manual kind of thing. Like that's yeah. you choose you chose from that. I remember that. Yeah. And we would like take turns going through each new issue of the Marvel handbook, the Marvel Universe handbook. And Moon Knight was one of the guys I had to have. So I've been waiting for Moon Knight since I was a kid. And this is an awesome show. It's different from from any other superhero show that that they've done so far. Because you really you're just as clueless to, to what's going on as uh as the character Stephen Stephen Grant and um, Isaac Oscar Isaac is such a great actor and he's so committed to this part 
um, to making these distinct characters, Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. And, and um, he's so awesome. He's always been a great actor. Um, and it's, it's really a cool, a cool story and a cool journey because you really don't know where it's going. Even if you know the, the history or the character of Moon Knight, um, you know, there's so, that's like 40 years worth of stories. So there's any, they can do anything they want in this, in this world. Um, it's, it's awesome. What do you guys think? Well, that was one of the first things I was going to comment on. Um, cause I had a feeling <clears throat> that you knew about Moon Knight. Um, so you had some kind of a background going into it. I myself had absolutely no idea anything about Moon Knight other than I've heard the name Moon Knight probably from yeah. the games that we played back in the day. Also, quick shout out to uh, the cover design for the Marvel Universe uh, encyclopedia, how it all was one continuous picture. And you had to, once you got the next issue, I remember you'd put it together, we'd have it going like down the hallway because it yeah. got to be like a long, long way. Because how many books were there, like 20 or something like that? Pretty it was like much, quite, a, yeah. quite a bit. 15, 16 or something. Yeah. So I, all, that was one of my favorite things with that. They're running from left to right and, you know, flying and running. And then you would see like the foot, like if you were in, you know, the seas, you'd have Captain America. But then at the end of the, at the on the right side of it, it would, you'd see Daredevil's foot because next issue would be yeah. the D's for Daredevil. That kind of stuff. It was yeah, awesome. That was killer for sure. But, okay, so I had no idea about Moon Knight at all. So they, they approached this story very mysteriously you know he has that band on his ankle what's up with the sand around the bed and then quickly you try you know you, you end up realizing that he's trying to see if he left the room that he's in you know just to give you a little setup for it so i'm trying to piece this together as i'm watching it and it's i maybe it's better that i didn't know anything like even like what moon knight is and how it's structured and what kind of powers he has and what's going on with these two identities. I, I mean, I still don't really know because it's only two episodes in and I've watched 1.6 of them. Um, and I, I, I'm so digging it. It, it, it is very different from uh, your, your, your typical comic book setup and, and structure. But I really liked how mysterious it was and still is to me because I have no inkling of even the universe that it exists in. So very cool for sure. And you're right. Um, incredible acting from everybody so yeah. far ethan hawk is super like this like i don't even know how to describe it almost like a shaman type of right. character i think something like that anyway but yeah and, and you know he knows a lot that you don't know yet so i can't wait to see this unfold for sure how yeah. about you greg i'll say this real quick and then i'll go back to how i got into moon knight originally but um they're doing a really good job at making the the audience feel exactly like the character feels he doesn't know what the fuck's going on either. You know what right. I mean? Like he's trying, he's trying to figure it out in these first couple of episodes. That's exactly what the audience has to do. You're like, I don't know this story. It's not a Batman origin story that I've seen 20 times. I don't even, you know, I don't know what's going on. And it's so, I was telling Aaron last night, it's just so refreshing to finally have a comic book story that you don't know already. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So from that angle, I, I really like it. Um, so now going back to how I got into Moon Knight, I was a kid, man. I bought those comic books solely based on the way he looked. He looked badass, right? And he had yeah. a cool name, you know? So to be honest, when I started collecting Moon Knight comics, and this will make Aaron cringe because all my comics got left in a house at some point in my past and whoever 
bought that house came upon a really good comic book collection. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. Um, I bought it because of how he looked. So like when I was a kid, I just started buying whenever you could get it on the newsstand. Right. So like, I don't know what point of the story I was in. I don't know if I was at the beginning. I don't know if it was tied to what they're doing in this TV show. So, you know, it's great because he looks good. You know, it's that, you know, they, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, they're doing some clever things with the way he looks, uh, writing wise, you know? So yeah. I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it, I think it has potential definitely, you know, with him in the lead role, you know, it's, it's fun to watch because yeah. he's a great actor. Yeah. And the music is really good. I was looking up the composer and I didn't know that name at all. And, uh, c come to find out that it's an Egyptian composer that worked a lot in his own country and did things that, you know, we're not privy to unless maybe you dig really deep, I guess, possibly yeah. you could find some stuff that he's done, but this is his really first, I guess, you know, American high profile type of thing like that. So yeah. he's going to really make a splash. I feel like because he's nailing the music. Um, That's awesome. It really has a great vibe to it. It's, it's mysterious when it needs to be. And he cranks up the action when it's needed. It's he's hitting all the marks in my opinion. Um, and I'm really enjoying what he's doing. Everything's yeah. really cool. And, and really the, the probably the first and foremost goal to me that they're doing right now, at least for now is the mystery part of it. And they're nailing it because I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next and what's going to be revealed next and gives you a little bit more glimpse, you know, in, in, into the whole world like that. It's really cool. Absolutely. It's just fun. It's like I said, not to beat it into the ground, but it's just fun to watch something where you don't know where it's going. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I know Moon Knight pretty decently, but I don't know where it's going either. Like I said, there's so many, there's decades of Moon Knight, you know, comics. And, exactly. Uh, so that, the, well, that comic has kept going ever since no what the 80s no. or 90s or it what? didn't keep going moon knight was one of those guys who would come and go he'd have like a two-year run then he'd go away again because he wasn't popular anymore then he'd come back and do like five years so he's always mm. kind of stopped and started but there even even with that it's still over decades and so there's always all these stories it's great i think they're going to be six episodes so I'm, I'm looking forward to the whole thing it's great what day does it come out does anybody know Wednesdays. On Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays, okay. So yeah, next Wednesday will be number three. Cool. I'll, I'll be yeah. caught up by then for sure. All right, let's get into a little bit of Voyager 3 news. We are very much looking forward to getting back to playing live. And we do have, for now, one concert that we can announce. It is uh, Saturday, July 30th, and it's the after party at Motor City Nightmares. Uh, in Novi, Michigan, at the Sheraton. So we'll be there all weekend with a table uh, selling merch and hanging out, signing stuff. But on that Saturday Spending night... money. I know, right? For sure. And one of the coolest things about Motor City Nightmares, I know for all of us, is that uh, it's basically a, a um, Dawn of the Dead reunion uh, for the cast. Uh, so many cast members are, have been announced. Uh, Ken Forey, Galen Ross and Scott Reiniger are there. So that's, you know, three of the main characters. So I got to believe they're going to do some kind of a panel or something like that. So you do not want to miss Motor City Nightmares July 29th through 31st at the uh, Sheraton Novi in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, tickets are on sale at MotorCityNightmares.com. And uh, 
We'll probably have a couple more shows to announce soon, but we are going to be at Astronomicon. We're not playing live there, but we're going to be there all weekend with a table, hanging out, selling vinyl, signing stuff, and all that kind of good stuff. That's April 22nd through 24th at Burton Manor in Livonia, Michigan. And tickets are available now for uh, that at astronomicon.com. They have a bunch of cool guests like uh, Corey Taylor, Judge Reinhold, a bunch of uh, uh, classic WWE stars and stuff like that. So you don't want to miss that either. Um, and uh, is there any other Voyager 3 news? Yeah, we're going to have new merch too coming up at these um, conventions and shows this summer. So keep a lookout for that. You know what might be cool? If you've never seen, if you're a fan of us and you've never seen us live, why don't you guys drop in the comments what songs you think we should play live? Because we definitely sort of have like songs that are in our wheelhouse, but maybe if you guys throw something in there that we're not thinking of. Yeah, it might surprise we'll us. It, yeah, maybe we'll take it on, you know. And don't pick that long one, that 12-minute one. That's not fair. <laughs> Theoretical megastructure, that, that one's too long. Long. Back when um, Are You Synthetic first came out, we did play that. Um, yeah, we played it. It's a, a great song, Greg. Yeah. Tap and we, the set. And we, and we may again. <laughs> it might be our best song. Do you know what I said? I, I, tell me if you guys remember this. I said, if we ever had like a real short set to play, like maybe opening for somebody, and we, and we maybe only had like 20 minutes to play or 25 minutes to play, I said, let's just do all the Anima Transgressione uh one, one two and three and that's it good night because <laughs> that you know all three of those take up i don't know maybe 15 minutes or something like that so like that and victory and we're gone and people are like what the? <laughs> you know you know my point is like I, I think sometimes like the people in the band have a different opinion about what the best songs are you know because you know we probably gravitate towards stuff that's maybe newer you know because we've been playing you know, we how many times have we played Victory in the Battle Chamber? We know what we know. We have to play it, but like, you know, maybe there's some songs that people that people really like that we're not even considering. You know, so right. let us right. let us know in the comments. Yeah, very good call, Greg. Good call, good call, man. I'm trying to give the people a voice, Aaron. That's right. That's right. Mailbag. Last last time we talked, um, we went on a bit about Verners and Fago, these local um, Detroit uh, delicacies, and um, we were wondering if if those, you know, those drinks had any kind of legs outside of the Metro Detroit area, and we got confirmed from from Trevor. Wait, did Trevor say he buys it and has it shipped to him? Something so really, like that. that's the thing. Trevor, our buddy no, he Trevor. He said some stores have it. He said some stores have it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Trevor's out in Seattle. He grew up in Michigan, but he's been in Seattle for probably 10 years or so now. And um, he's able to get his hands on Verner's out there. And I think Fago, too. Yeah, uh, he just said, like, uh, not a million flavors, not all the flavors, but some flavors. So they better than nothing. There you go. Sure. All the way out on the co the farthest coast that you can get in this country, in this nation, great nation of ours, you can get Fago <laughs> and Burners. Also, a little closer to home, a little down there in Ohio, Cincinnati, our brother, cousin brother, Sam, um, he said that he's able to get his hands on Verners too. So yeah. even that Verners could be down in Ohio, which is our neighbor, 
mm-hmm. and that's southern Ohio. That's almost Kentucky, right? I know, very close to it Kentucky is. for sure. Yes. It's Matter right fact, over those Their Sam airport has, is in Kentucky. Did you know that? Cincinnati is in Kentucky. Yeah, there, Cincinnati's <laughs> airport is in Kentucky. So you, when you land in Cincinnati's airport, you're in Kentucky. Then you drive back up to Cincinnati and and do your thing. <laughs> There's a geography lesson for you uh, from Voyager. But check it out. They're so close to Kentucky that Sam grew up with an accent that he doesn't even know he has. That's true. That's it. He, he has, has, he has a little bit, bit of that, a little twang, just a little, little bit. A little twang. And he doesn't know he has it. And that's okay because we love him and we love his accent. And, and uh, Sam, Sam won a Pulitzer Prize for Christ's sake. Oh my God. Very he true. Photographer extraordinaire, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, let's, let's just remember his humble beginnings as my roadie. That's right. <laughs> let's not think never, about his, yeah. let's not think about his Pulitzer prize. Let's talk about his roadie days. Let's not talk about the fact that he was shooting shooting the Super Bowl a few few months ago okay. out yeah. in, in California. He was shooting it in L.A. Uh, let's not talk about that accomplishment. Let's not talk about that he just had a little baby boy. That's let's right. talk about that he was your roadie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, I like everything to revolve around me, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. So shout out to Trevor and Sam who are basically, well, family, and Trevor is basically family, too. That's right. Um, uh, love you guys. And Fago oh, yeah. and Furners for the win. Trevor's got a, Trevor's got a YouTube channel yeah, you guys should check out. It's called Flat, Round, and Spun. And he talks about uh, is all that the about It's about records. That's right. Yes. Trevor is, the, is a record connoisseur. He gets all yeah. kinds of stuff every month of all different kind of genres and different eras all tasty man trevor worked in record stores like for as long as i can remember so that's right yes he's a a harmony house alum correct sure yeah yeah check out his youtube channel flat round and spun yeah we'll link it in the comments for sure so y'all can check that out he's got quite a few videos of the of of different hauls that he has from uh his record purchasing excursions all right yeah man so let that be a lesson to you. Leave some comments, and then maybe we'll we'll drop your name. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we get a lot of our mailbag stuff from the comments, or sometimes people email us. Oh, speaking of that, we actually have a V3Cast email now, and that is askv3cast at gmail.com. Now, uh, the next topic I wanted to get into, one of my absolute favorite films as a little kid, The NeverEnding Story. Absolute classic. I know everybody's seen it here. Yep. Multiple yep. times. Oh, yeah. I, I have the score on vinyl. It's, uh, it's, it totally just takes you right back to uh, being a little kid, man. I love it. Absolutely love it. And I, I was doing some research on it, and uh, I, I realized that they actually had two sequels, and I've never seen those. But I don't think they're good, though, because it's none of the same, almost none of the same cast. For those who don't know, this is our chance to suggest a classic uh, 80s film that uh, I, th- I think you would enjoy it. Um, it, it holds up pretty, go- pretty good, I would say. Um, it's, got it's, one uh, of the most, it's got one of the most heartbreaking scenes in any movie. 
Oh yes, yep, yep, yeah. exactly. It totally, which is track two on the soundtrack, by the way. Yeah, and I'm not going to say anything about it. I don't know that I can spoil an '80s movie, but I just won't say anything about well, it. Well, why can't we say anything about it? Why is it on? Why is it our responsibility to not spoil a 38 year old movie? Come on, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, you but I've said what I. I mean, I, 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 I've said what I need to say. It's heartbreaking. I'm gonna say that's it. all you need to know. I'm going right. to say it. Don't say it, Aaron. I'm going to say you it. Can't. Don't say <laughs> it. <laughs> so you better the, not. The and fact that they no, they had the balls no, I, to, to uh, do that in that movie and break every kid's heart for a whole generation. Can you imagine? That could never be done now. And you didn't probably get. You didn't say what it was. was. You just went uh, around it. I did in the last second. I I, I held back, man, because I right. I respect you. <laughs> and I want, no, but they wouldn't do that now. And even if they did something like that, they would take it back. Uh, you know, twenty minutes later, they would have, uh, they would undo it, and and everybody would be okay and alive. Um, yeah, there'd right. be some goofy like time travel scene where they got to they you know they were dreaming or something. <laughs> right, right. That's very very likely. But uh, for those who don't know, The NeverEnding Story is a, uh, a fantasy film uh, from 1984. Uh, it's a German and an American production. So uh, I think most of it was filmed uh, overseas. But um, uh, it was um, written, it was it's based on a book by the same title by M Michael Endy. Screenplay was done by the director, who's uh, Wolfgang Peterson, and another guy named... Um, Herman Weigel. Now, does anybody know? Because I didn't look that up. Did Wolfgang Peterson do anything else? Oh yeah, he's done a ton of stuff. He did okay. uh, Das Boot and um, a bunch of other stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So um, he's he, he's had a good career. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was looking at the uh, cast, and unfortunately, most of those people really didn't do anything else. Um, you know, too much. Some of the people, like uh, Noah Hathaway, who played Atreyu kind of has some sprinkles of stuff and he would do like some stints of not acting and then come back and do two, three, four films and then go away for a while again and come back uh, and maybe a little TV. But uh, and every once in a while, there's a movie like that where the movie's incredible and everybody in it absolutely nails it. And then they don't do anything else. Like, it's so weird. Like, is it because they can only see that guy as being a Treyu or the other kid as being Bastion or something or what? I mean, they're kids. So, <laughs> You think that if they got to be a teenager or an adult, they wouldn't have that same vibe anymore and they could continue enjoying a good career maybe. But sometimes I think that I don't know. it was a it was kind of a curse of a lot of childhood actors to either not continue or not be cast in other stuff, you know, because I, I don't know, it, they were giving all the roles to Ricky Schroeder or something, you know, like um right. cast. A lot of those kids, like, you know, you look, and even in, mo even in more modern times, like, uh, a lot of those kids from the, uh, the Willy Wonka remake, and that's like four major kids, right? Um, only one of them went on to do anything, from mm. what I remember, Abigail Breslin, and all the other three kids who seemed like they had potential, they all disappeared, and they're all, who knows where they are now. Yeah. So I think it's really tough for a child actor to, to make, I mean, to always to make that transition to adulthood. Yeah. Um, it's never been easy. Right. And so many of them get screwed up mentally. And I mean, even 
even abused and stuff and like kind of go through all these weird times and drugs and all that stuff because they have too much too fast or whatever. Right. So it, it's tough for, for those childhood actors, you know, well, let, let's yeah. not forget that it's just hard to get work in Hollywood period. You know right. what I mean? Super high million, competition. million actors, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. You know what, you know what movie I always put in the same category? Like I, I kind of, they exist at the same moment in my life. Uh, you guys remember Time Bandits? Oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah. I love Gary Gilliam. One of love my favorite movies. What? Yeah, Top like between notch. Time Bandits and Never Ending Story, like those, like there was just a lot of like cool fantasy stuff going on in the 80s. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Time Bandits, I remember there was a period of my life where I, I couldn't, like, I remembered it, but I felt like it was a dream. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, because it's so creepy like that. Yeah, I mean, like that that scene where they're in that vast nothingness and they're just on those platforms and there's cages hanging from yeah. like when seemingly they taken prisoner type of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that, some of that stuff just seems like you dreamt it. Like it, yeah. you didn't see it in a movie. It's just like something you remember from a dream yeah. or something. But uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll I, give you guys um, a third one too of that same era. That if you like any one of the two we've mentioned so far, Never Ending Story and um, Time Bandits, you will absolutely also love uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh. Terry Gilliam is the director of Baron Munchausen and Time Bandits. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. There you yeah. Go. Oh, he and as far as dreams go, I mean, that's what he does is make make dreams into movies. I mean, he that's his specialty. Make these hallucinatory movies and um, these these stories where you know you kind of like remember them from childhood, and you go, "Was that even real?" And it was. It was all Terry Gilliam stuff. He he did yeah. a bunch of Monty Python stuff. He was part of Monty Python. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, so that whole era has these really cool films like that. Because, I mean, parts of Never Ending Story, I think, is kind of the same thing. You know, the Luck Dragon, that's so crazy. And then those two statues where you have to walk between them. All these types of things like that. Um, yeah. The, the Rock Biter. Uh, all these characters. Um, and remember when they're at uh, the Ivory Tower and they're asking the childlike princess for help. You know, um, all those different species or, you know... Um, creatures from Fantasia all are there, it's, you know, reminiscent of the cantina scene, right? Where you get a cross sampling of all the different creatures that maybe exist in this part of the world or galaxy or whatever. Um, kind of the same thing. There's all these different creatures that live on Fantasia and they're all there to ask for help. Um, all of that is just so otherworldly, obviously, you know, it's very cool and uh, it sticks with you. Like if you saw it, you know, as a kid, you never forget that for sure. And just the dialogue there, so amazing. I just, yeah. I absolutely love that film. So I played it for my kids um, last weekend, and they were digging it for sure. And at, sometimes those ones take some repetition. Um, and they're also uh, movies like that now fight against iPads. So it's a little trickier. <laughs> I know. I, I was just about to say, you know, I've tried with my kids to watch like some of like the classic 80s stuff that, that I loved as a kid. And I think that I think that modern kids movies are just on a whole different pace. Oh, yeah. you know, because sure. like, I mean, you watch like some of this Disney stuff and it's just constant, you know, stuff for them to look at. And like there's songs and there's all this stuff going on. And then then you, you contrast that with like never ending story. And it's kind of like a slow burn, you know, so kids mm -hmm. are kind of like, ah, when's something going to happen? Totally. <laughs> you know, like, 
Totally. Yeah. So I, I think it's a little hard, you know, I think it's lost on a, on this new generation a little bit. Um, but that's all we had, you know, oh, they yeah. hadn't really, they hadn't really made, you know, computer animated movies yet at, you know, so this was what we had. So I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Uh, I would still try to play it. If, if, if anybody out there listening has kids still play it for them. Um, yeah even if they see it in pieces or they remember watching it once when they're five and then when they're seven, they s- watch it again and, and, and it, it, it kindles some, uh, some memories of it. Um, yeah. it's worth it. And, uh, excellent score, um, by, uh, Klaus, uh, Doldinger, I think is how you say his name. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a German composer. Um, but of course everybody knows the main theme, which was composed by Giorgio Moroder. And that was uh, sung by uh, Christopher Lamel Hamel, who is also a European uh, musician that probably most Americans don't know except for that song. But uh, that song is classic. I mean, that's it's perfect, absolutely perfect for that movie. Yeah. So uh, it's it's on Blu-ray, it's on streaming. It's 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 uh, definitely recommend. It's one of my all-time classic childhood films for sure. So, Steve, I don't know if you heard. I know we were, last week we were talking about uh, Steve DiGiorgio because he's in Testament now, and we were talking about how Dave Lombardo just joined Testament. But this week, or re- maybe not this week, but like recently, uh, Dave Mustaine revealed who played bass on their new record. Now, you remember <laughs> their bass player, David Ellison, got in a little bit of trouble. I'm sure everybody read about it. Oh, you yeah. might have seen the pictures that are permanently burned into your memory. Thank God but, I did not. <laughs> but anyways, Dave Mustaine decided to scrap all the bass that David Ellison had recorded and replace it. So he uh, he was sort of doing some Instagram, like vague booking or whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, but people pretty early on guessed who it was just based on the bass guitar itself, because everybody knows DiGiorgio plays like a specific five string or something like that. So, oh, right. And fretless, of uh, course. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the metal nerds sort of knew it was him, but, uh, you know, Dave Mustaine finally relented that it was, uh, DiGiorgio who came in and, and replayed the bass for the new Megadeth record. Now it's up to you whether or not you're excited about a new Megadeth record, but I know you like, Steve DiGiorgio, you know, oh, everybody yeah. kind of can appreciate him, but his, uh, musicianship. And, uh, I think, I think Mustaine has, uh, Lomenzo playing bass, right? The guy, then he used to be in white lion. Yeah. Cause and, all, uh, all those Kiko videos that I was watching like last summer, uh, that's their bassist. So all the little yeah. adventures that Kiko films all the time that they're doing, you know, backstage catering, blah, blah, blah. It was always that guy. Doing yeah. Bass. It's a strike. It's, I guess it's strange to me that he had DiGiorgio record the record, but tapped a different guy to go on tour. But I guess that's because DiGiorgio's in Testament right now. So, you know. Yeah, so he can know, only have time to do strange. the sessions, right, and not go on the, on the road, I guess. Yeah, you know. so anyway. Uh, that's going to be I can't in, wait to hear in, that. Just tying into something we talked about last week, that's all. Yeah. What I do around here. In, in honor of that, in honor of uh, Steve Giorgio playing on the new Megadeth album, we we said to ourselves, let's um, pick our favorite Megadeth album for the podcast. And then we kind of 
unspoken realized that all of us would probably pick the same favorite Megadeth album. And I'm going to go ahead and guess because I know you guys pretty well. So let me be the one to, if, if you, if I may, if it's right, if it's to, correct, raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, rust in peace? Ding, 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 ding. That's my favorite for there you sure. Go. All right. I think it's everybody's favorite, they have, except they for good, except for Jeff. <laughs> except for Jeff Uberti, yeah. They have good stuff before that. Jeff would say it's their best stuff. Uh, and they have good stuff that came after that, but there's no peak like Rust in Peace. I mean, it's a perfect album. Uh, first time I heard Holy Wars on Headbangers Ball, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. Oh, yeah. Um I didn't know that people could play like that. And, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff I hadn't heard in metal at that point. And there are a lot of people who could play like that, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. How and, about that sweet, clean lead and, you know, into like the second movement of the whole song? Like, yeah, really nobody's ever done that. You know, at that it point, was, it was one of the most epic songs I'd ever heard. Um, you know, up there with like Iron Maiden, like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner kind of stuff. And, um, and yeah, it's uh, and Holy Wars Punishment Do Hangar 18 is is another amazing song. Freaking uh, Polaris is a great song. Dawn Five Patrol years. has always been a favorite of mine too. It's a perfect album, and uh, whether they're whether they've reached that level or surpassed that level in any other whatever that's all debatable. But um, at least they were able to make that perfect album back in what was that eighty nine. Yeah, 88, 89, something like that. Yeah, right, at, right around there. So, so good. You know, I think he had, he's always had that competitive thing with Metallica. So, I mean, Metallica puts out Master of Puppets. I think you got to you gotta answer that, right? You got to answer it. He did a pretty good job. I hope that they let Steve DiGiorgio just do what he does. Because to me, I feel like Mustaine might want to try to shape a little bit of what he does and make it, uh, for lack of a better term, a little bit cleaner and a little bit more traditional. But the best part of DiGiorgio, in my opinion, is just the holy shit, what did he just play? Is that even right? But it is. But it's just like, like listen to Individual Thought Patterns uh, album by Death. Um, that's him maybe in his prime, or n not necessarily prime, but in him in his most just able to do whatever he wants. And it's just all over the place. And some of it, you, you might even be like jarred by it in a way if you're not used to that because he's doing not any typical metal style bass playing at all. He's more like Jaco Pastorius got thrown into a metal band or something like that or something crazy. You know, it's just not traditional. And that is what I love most about what he does. So I hope Mustaine just lets him do whatever, almost whatever he wants to do over the stuff that's already recorded because i think that will be what'll be the best is there any indication of when we might be able to hear a track from that or, or n not that we know of it it won't be long now i don't think yeah man it's gonna he be said so within good. a week or so oh wow okay so he must have recorded it a few months ago or something or a little bit ago oh yeah wild. he was posting on instagram a handful of months ago okay so. does anybody know what that record's called or no is it not announced yet Okay, we'll have to keep yeah. our eyes peeled for that. But um, we're all huge fans of Steve DiGiorgio, so we're looking forward to hearing what that Megadeth record could sound like with that kind of bass on it. It's going to be very cool. Yeah. All right, well, 
Uh, don't forget to leave some comments or email us at uh, askv3cast at gmail.com. And uh, we will see everybody again next time on V3Cast. Take it easy. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Hey guys. I like it. Yeah. I'm so scared. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.